the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our look at the crucifixion of Jesus continues next here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Well, as we all prepare to celebrate Christmas this month, we're mindful of the fact that it is a joyful season. You see, most people are content to acquiesce and acknowledge Jesus as a baby. But you see, there's no offense there. And as long as we can keep him as a baby in that manger, then everyone's good. Everything's just fine. But you see, Jesus didn't remain a baby in a manger, did he? He grew up, became a man, entered into ministry, found himself hung on a cross for your sins and my sins. And that is what we're focusing on today. The Crucifixion of Jesus. Hi there, and welcome once again to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. As we celebrate Christmas this month, we're mindful of the fact of why Christmas took place to begin with, that the crucifixion might take place as well. Please join us, Luke 23, verses 26 through 49. With today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. When the Lord Jesus came into this world, It was in the company of angels and shepherds and wise men. And when he passed out of this world, he was in the company of thieves and criminals. Pilate didn't have to do it that way that day. Pilate decided to have these criminals crucified with Jesus to continue his humiliation. But but even though Pilate had one reason for crucifying Jesus with these two thieves... God had another reason. The degrading of Jesus by being crucified between two thieves was something God had planned and prophesied centuries before. In Isaiah 53, 12, it says, And he, that is the Messiah, was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. You see, God had planned all of this. This degrading of Jesus like this was a way of God proclaiming to the world that Christ identifies with sinners because He came into the world to save sinners. You receive Him the way the thief on the cross received Him, and He will be your Savior throughout eternity. Now, notice the restraint in verse 33. This is all Luke says about Christ's crucifixion. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. He doesn't describe the crucifixion. All he says is, they crucified him. Now, I have some descriptions of crucifixions in my library. 
that literally border on obscene in their description. Death by crucifixion, I have said, was the cruelest and most degrading form of punishment ever devised by human depravity. And I'm not going to read all of those descriptions to you. But there was a first century witness to a crucifixion in Israel. And that eyewitness report was written down and discovered in a Jewish tomb in 1968. And so here is a brief, brief description from someone who saw a literal crucifixion take place. And he said, the feet were joined almost parallel both transfixed by the same nail at the heels with the legs adjacent. The knees were doubled, the right one overlapping the left. The trunk was contorted. The upper limbs were stretched out, each stabbed with a nail in the forearm. Now, my friends, that's all I really want to know. I don't want to know anything else. On the cross, in utter humiliation, Christ felt this catastrophic curse of God for sin in himself. Klaus Schilder said this, Listen carefully. He himself led the process of events to this point. He himself arranged his feet upon the accursed wood. He manipulated the nails and the hammer. He, our priest, who offered himself for us. He nailed himself to the cross. He has slain himself as our sacrifice. All for us. Oh, the humiliation of it. Oh, the sovereignty of it, oh, the glory of it, unquote. Did you notice what Luke called the place Christ was crucified? He called it by one of its original names, the skull, Golgotha, or the place of the skull. Because if you happen to be there and you stand back and you use your imagination... The cliff underneath the hill where he was crucified looks somewhat, somewhat like the face of a skull. And it wasn't an accident at the place God planned from all eternity for Christ to be crucified. It was on the place of the skull. What was the promise of the gospel first made in the scriptures to fallen Adam in Genesis 3.15? It says, whereas the seed of the serpent shall crush your heel, you, the seed of the woman, shall crush his head, his skull. And in those metaphors, all the way back to the beginning of the human race, God is saying, though evil is powerful, evil and Satan will not have the last word. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the seed of the woman will come and crush the serpent's head and the end of the power of evil in the world, and it will save people from the consequences of that evil. So there, 
2,000 years ago, Jesus was led to Golgotha. And on the top of that hill that looked like a skull, that cross was planted, as it were, in the crushing of that skull, symbolizing that what was taking place that day was the utter defeat of Satan forever and the liberty that God's people have who share in that death through his power. Luke only records two sayings of Christ while he hung on the cross, although there were seven sayings. Again, because they fit his theme. Luke quotes Jesus in verse 34, and then again down in verse 46. Jesus said in verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, we see two things throughout Christ's crucifixion. We see his compassion and kindness, and we see the cruelty and the evil of man. Now, here he was experiencing excruciating pain. And he's concerned about the welfare of the people around him that have rejected him and are now crucifying him. You see the compassion here? What is he praying for God to do? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. They don't know who I am. And his words have a specific reference. This isn't a prayer for everyone in the whole wide world who simply picks up a Bible and reads it. Christ's words had a specific reference to the people involved in his rejection and his crucifixion. They were crucifying him out of ignorance of who he really was. They were being moved along by the crowds and ordered by their commanding officers. And so, for these people, he prays, Father, forgive them. Out of their ignorance, they do what they do. Here you see a compassionate Jesus who came to seek and to save sinners, praying that the Lord would spare not only the people around him, but the city of Jerusalem from immediate destruction. Now remember, this is the worst crime ever committed by any human being, the crucifixion of the Son of God incarnate. And we know that the punishment must fit the crime. The heinousness of the crime determines the severity of the punishment. And infinite heinousness deserves infinite immediate punishment. So what should have happened that day? There should have been fire and brimstone come down from heaven and destroy not only everyone around the cross, but the entire city of Jerusalem. And nothing of the kind happened that day. Jerusalem should have been immediately obliterated. It wasn't. Why? Jesus prayed for them. It was Jesus' prayer that spared the lives of these people and delayed the wrath of God until Jesus' resurrection for almost 40 years after the gospel was preached so that they would not be any longer ignorant of his identity. And then in hearing the gospel, 
They might repent and be saved from the destruction their sin and unbelief and ignorance deserved. And how did God answer this prayer? God answers Jesus' prayer by saving thousands of Jewish people on the day of Pentecost. He answered Jesus' prayer in the delay of the destruction of Jerusalem to 70 A.D. so that they would have ample time to repent of this horrendous sin. Instead of destroying them immediately, God gave them 40 more years before he sent his fiery wrath destroying Jerusalem. So what you see here is the mercy of God the Father and God the Son, the patience of them both. Instead of looking at these people, pounding nails into his hands and killing them, God was merciful. God was patient. He gave them time to repent before he destroyed them for their unbelief. And you have to admire the mercy of God in the crucifixion of Jesus. Now look at the last part of verse 34. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. In Matthew, it says, they stripped him. Turn with me to John 19, verses 23 and 24. John 19, verses 23 and 24. The soldiers, therefore, when they crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now, the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. This was a very expensive piece of clothing. In other words, Jesus didn't dress like a bum. And that's very important. Because there are portrayals of Jesus by people today as a poor, poverty-stricken guy who just wore tattered and well-worn clothes. No, 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 my friends. This seamless garment was more than the most expensive suit of clothes a person could purchase. Verse 24. They said, therefore, to one another, let us cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. What cruelty, what humiliation. They stripped Jesus to an embarrassing degree of nakedness. We don't know to what degree. But to some degree of nakedness, they stripped him, and then they gambled over his suit of clothes. Shielder said, this disrobing of Jesus was a special symbol and spoke a unique language of God. This shall be a sign unto us. We shall find the Savior robed in his swaddling clothes and hanging on a cross. Christ was mercilessly plundered and exposed, end quote. And when we think of this, we seem to want to turn away. We want to shut down our imaginations. We, we don't want to look any longer. But we must look at him. 
God tells us that if we don't want to be unclothed when we stand before Him, but clothed in His righteousness on the last day, we must see in the plundering of Christ's clothes as a prophecy being fulfilled, most particularly Psalm 22, where the Messiah says, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And only the person who has faith can find his God and his hand in this extreme shameful picture. Think about nakedness for a moment in the Bible and about clothing. Think about the first awareness of nakedness and the origin of clothing. This shame of nakedness constituted painful punishment for the Lord Jesus Christ. After the fall of Adam and Eve were pained at the awareness of their nakedness. And so God graciously covered man's painful nakedness with clothes made out of animal skins. And that teaches us that clothing, beloved, is a gift of God's common grace. Think about it. What's the purpose of clothing? It retards sin. And it tempers the curse. Remember, that is the purpose of clothing, to retard sin, lust, and to temper the curse. It would be terrible to be exposed to, to be exposed and naked without any protection from the sun and from the wind and the cold of the coming days on the earth for Adam and Eve and their offsprings as those are the results of sin. So clothing is a gift of God's common favor that has as its purpose the retarding of sin and the tempering of the curse. And if you understand this, you will appreciate what God did to Jesus when by naked hands he disrobed Jesus publicly before the world. For all of God's grace and all of God's favor was stripped from Christ on the cross. And all of God's judgment was poured out upon him. No grace to retard or temper the sharpness of the curse and the judgment of Almighty God. The Son of God must die now naked. Fully aware of the fact that doing so, he must consciously endure the shame of the nakedness which is part of the existence of hell. God's curse is descending on him. And here we have a naked God, a naked Messiah hanging on a cross. The riches of salvation are revealed only to those who believe in a naked Savior hanging on a cross. He was stripped of his clothes and of God's grace so that he might rise from the dead and be in a position to bestow God's grace upon us and to clothe us in his own righteousness that we might stand before God accepted throughout all eternity. After all, remember it, said, it is said that by his poverty we are made rich. 
we will continue this description another Sunday. But understand the things I'm explaining here. The things recorded in Luke 23 concerning the death of Jesus really happened. We're not talking about fairy tales here, my friends. We're not talking about myths. We're talking about real historical events. And if you could go back in time, and you could be there on the hill of Calvary and rub your hand on the cross that Jesus was crucified on, you would get splinters in your hand. And that is important to keep in mind, because you and I really sin. We didn't sin in some kind of fairy tale world. We really sinned in this world. We deserve real punishment in a real hell. But because Jesus Christ's death on the cross for us was real, we who believe in him will never, never, never go to a real hell. Because Jesus did take all of the hell we deserve, really, on the cross in our place. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the creator of this universe, not only gave himself up on a cross to die as a substitute for our transgressions against his perfect law, and he not only died to assure of us, sure, to assure us of a place in eternal glory with him, but he died that we might be able to now live righteously before him and love him with all of our being. He now hears our voices and he answers our prayers as we are now able to pray according to his will. He comforts us and supports us and guides us during our trials. Because of the cross, His Spirit encourages us to godly living in repentance when we fail. And He mercifully grants us forgiveness when we repent with pure hearts. He enables us to walk humbly with Him and strips us of our pride so that we can unselfishly serve others for His glory. He gives us a desire to be in His Word and to grow in wisdom and understanding. He gives us all we need to submit to His will and bring every area of our lives into submission to Him. And on and on and on. Because of the cross and His resurrection, He is our all in all. Because even as Almighty God, sovereign over all things, He willingly and lovingly became a part of this fallen, created world order gave himself up to die a cruel, agonizing, horrific death, forsaken by his beloved Father, because he came specifically to set his love on those whom he chose, to free and save those whom were lost, you and me. Oh, my dear friends, how can we not wholly, fully live to honor and to praise, and to please Him. Amen. Let us pray. We are once again, O Lord, brought to deep gratitude for the sending of Your Son into this world to save sinners. Oh, the price He paid. 
Oh, what it cost him. Oh, the mystery of it that he would give up himself rather than giving up on us. Oh, the mystery of your love, Father, that you would give up your son before you would give up us. May we always be grateful, and may that gratitude always motivate us to sincere love and worship and faithfulness to you and to your Son. For Jesus' sake, amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.